Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church in Wilson, Oklahoma, preaching the weekly teaching and preaching ministry of the church. We are grateful that you are choosing to join us today. Our prayer is that you are blessed by today's study of God's Word, and your heart will be receptive to what God desires to teach you today. For more information about FBC Wilson, please visit our website at fbcwilson.org. We hope you enjoyed today's service, and we look forward to studying God's Word with you today. Father, we thank you for this time. Father, we thank you for your, the opportunity for us to sing and to worship you. Father, I pray as we enter into a time of studying and applying your word to our hearts and our lives, that, Father, I pray that our hearts will be open. I pray that our minds will be freed from the distractions of the world around us. And, Father, may we, as a church this morning, be reminded and grateful for just how marvelously you are in our lives. Father, thank you for the privilege that it is for us as a church to gather around your word. May we honor you in everything that is said and done. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. It's good to see you again this morning. If you have a Bible with you, and I hope that you do, I would invite for you to open it up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is where we are going to pick up. It's been several weeks since we have been in the gospel according to Mark. And so this morning, we are going to pick back up where we left off there in Mark chapter 4. And then also, if you come in and you get one of those bulletins, there's always some notes on the back of that if you want to reference that as we get into God's word together. So Mark chapter 4, in a few moments, we're going to pick it up in verse 21. Uh, Last week, we were looking at, thinking about the beginning of a new year and thinking about um, what the uh, new year would hold for the church. And so last week, if you were here, if you remember, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we were talking about that God has given us a standard, his holy and his glorious standard. And then yet we also know there's a direction that the world is going. And so we are, as a church, and we as believers and as Christians, we are sometimes held in that tension. And we are sometimes held in that ground between what God's word says versus the direction of the world. And one of the things that I encourage us as a church to think about for this upcoming year is what does it mean to be doctrinally sound and Christ-centered. And so what we do as a church should be both doctrinally sound and Christ-centered. And, and what Paul is trying to explain back there is that everything that Timothy, everything about the church should center around the word of God. Well, here in our text this morning, Mark is going to continue to reveal the ministry of Jesus. He's going to continue to reveal um, what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was bringing about. And one of the things that we see throughout the gospel of Mark is that Jesus puts a focus on the kingdom. And it's the kingdom of God. If you think back to Mark uh, chapter 1, when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's the same thing that Paul was talking about this week, and it's the same thing that we will continue to see for the weeks ahead. It's this idea about kingdom. And this morning in Mark chapter 4, he is going to give three different metaphors, three different illustrations, three different examples about how we should view 
the kingdom. Now, my challenge when I start thinking about it this week is that for many of us, we do not have the, the, the grasp or the idea of what we're talking about, a kingdom. So to try to set this up a little bit, what Jesus is going to be talking about, what Mark is trying to relay is that Jesus is coming on the scene and saying, hey, there is going to be a shift in your worldview. There's going to be a shift in everything that you know. You are leaving one environment, one ecosystem, and you're going to a different one. Let me see if I can't relate to you in maybe a different way. You know how you, you go into the restaurant and you sit down at the restaurant. The waiter, the waitress comes, I'm sorry, the help staff, maybe I, I, I get in trouble for using outdated maybe words, but, but the wait staff would come and they will take your order and you would say, hey, I would like to please order a Diet Coke. And you've heard that before where that wait staff then looks at you and says, I am sorry, sir, we only serve Pepsi products. What is, what is that person saying? That person saying is you're not in the realm of Coca-Cola. You are in the realm of Pepsi. Maybe thinking about it another way. When you think about your phone or you think about computer systems, you have two big rivals. You have Android, boo, hiss, and then you've got Apple, yay, ray, right? So you have these two different systems, and they are both competing against one another. Sometimes uh, some of you and I will have conversations, and some of you are, are all in to the whole Google space. And anything that you need when it comes to computing or technology, Google has come up with an answer. You have gone from one sphere to another. I think back to my days when I was a big follower of NASCAR. And back in that time, you had two primary spheres. You had Richard Childress Racing and you had Hendrix Racing. I'm sure Mark was a fan of Hendrix, but... The only person you could root for is Richard Childress. And so the idea that he is saying there are two opposing views, there are two opposing kingdoms, they are not the same, they cannot be mixed together, there is no mixture of one and the other, there is no fence straddling, either you are in the kingdom of this world, the kingdom that is ruled by Satan, the kingdom of lost, the kingdom of this fallenness that we have around us, or you are in the kingdom of God. We have a lot of people today that claim to be believers in Jesus Christ that are trying to have a foot in both. And what Jesus, what Jesus is going to do is he is going to remind the listener. He is going to remind the believer. He is going to begin to impart a shift to say, you cannot be in both. Either you are going to pursue and prioritize the kingdom of God, or you're going to be content with making much of the kingdom of this world. So here in the text, he gives them three examples to try to explain what this kingdom mentality is, what, trying to explain what this kingdom picture is. For those that maybe had no grasp or didn't understand, now what is he talking about? He uses three examples. They all have an agrarian type foundation to them. And so in verse 21, he's going to talk about the different roles that believers have in the kingdom. Now, as we go through these three examples, you may say, well, Spence, which one am I? I don't know. You might be one. You might be all three. But I'm going to tell you this morning that when Jesus is speaking, he's expecting us to be in the story. If you're a believer, a professing believer in Jesus Christ, we are in the story. So the big question is, is where are you at in the story? And I'm not asking what you're going to say because you think someone's listening. I'm going to ask what God would say 
about you. So here in Mark chapter 4 and verse 21, he gives them the first example, the first metaphor. He says in verse 21, I'll read aloud out of my copy if you'll follow along in yours. He says, and he said to them, is a lamp brought and to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone hears to hear, let him hear. Or anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it'll be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken Away. You may say, well, Spence, what is he referring to? He's talking about a lamp. He's talking about a light. He is not talking about coming in and flipping on the switch and the light bulb automatically illuminates. He is talking about in that setting, in that context, they were all driven. The illumination all came from oil lamps or wax lamps. And so he's saying, hey, when you are a believer in Jesus Christ and when you're a professing follower of Jesus, you have this light. This is coming back to Matthew chapter 5 where he talks about us being lights of the world. And in here, in this this context, Jesus is saying, remember, your purpose, your role as a believer is that you have a witness. It's a witness. When you have a flashlight, when you have a light on your phone, when you would walk around with the lamp, when you would walk around with the candle, that light illuminates what it is around. The light illuminates the environment. So when we think about our Christian witness, it's not just a matter of having a light and going, let me shine on the word of God. No, that light illuminates us and it also shows who we are. You think back to 1 Peter chapter 4 and he talks about that we each have a gift. So what Jesus is saying here is he is saying, is a lamp, referring to the believer, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? He's saying, listen, you have been given this gift by God. You have been given the gift of salvation. You have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have been given the gift of truth. You have been given the gift of an identity in Jesus Christ. Why are you trying to hide it? Why are you ashamed of it? Why are you guilty of it? We're living in the day and age which they are, will try to tell you what you can and cannot say in a public arena. What you can and cannot say in a public setting. The church that I served at before coming here, one of the, the deacons served in the detention um, program there at the middle school of a big, uh, the big local school system. And, and he told me, he said, Spence, he said, I cannot talk about God in my Workplace. Yes, you can. You may have to be careful about your language. You may have to be careful about the precise wording that you use, but nobody can tell you that you can't talk about who created you. Nobody can tell you that you can't talk about who has saved you. You may have to be careful because of the environment you're in, but brothers and sisters, we have been given a witness. We have been given a gift. We have an opportunity. He says, you have a light. That, that terminology is, is we have something within us. We have something in front of us. We have something that is meant to be something to point other people to the truth. And sometimes we forget that we have been given something so that we can share it with someone else. 
Some of you have started on this reading plan with me um, starting back on Monday. And some of you, um, if, if, if you haven't gotten on the yet, there's still time to get on the Bible reading plan. There's copies at both tables. I would encourage you if, you, if you haven't started yet, there's time to catch up. But some of you have said, well, why is it broken up the way it's broken up? Because if you're on track with this, you would know that this morning we were in Genesis what? What? Seven. We were Genesis seven. We were in Ezra seven. All right, good. I see you made me feel better. We were in Matthew seven and we were in Acts seven. All right. So some of you have said, why in the world is it broken up like that? Because it can be very confusing. And some of you, um, I understand. I get it. So they say, well, what, what's, what's the connection there? Well, Robert Murray McShane, who developed the reading plan, lived back in the 1800s. So I can't go back and ask him exactly what was his rationale for doing it. But the idea came from is that there were two different Bible readings that he intended to be read during your private devotions in the morning. And then there were two other scripture readings that he intended to be read in public devotions with your family in the evening. So the idea was that you have a private set of readings and you have a public set of readings. Now, in this Bible reading plan, they are just the four of them combined together. Some of you say, well, I don't like how it feels like it's disjointed. That's okay. Then get on a different reading plan. There's nothing, that, there's nothing holy or set apart. That is not the only reading plan. But if you're following along, you would know this last week in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about the truth that we have in us. He's talking about the fruit that we will bear. He is talking about the things that we have been given so that we can share and show to other people. Jesus here in Mark chapter 4 says, listen, you have been given a light. You have been given a gift. You have been given an opportunity. So if not you, then who? If you're not going to point people to Jesus, then who should point people to Jesus? If you're not going to live a faithful Christian witness to the kingdom of God, then who will? If you have been put in an environment, and if you have been put in a place to point people to God, and you're unwilling to do that, who will do that? Maybe, maybe God has put you where he has put you so that people will see God and Christ in you. Well, Spence, I, you don't understand. It's uncomfortable. You don't understand the looks I get. You don't understand how discontent it is. You don't understand how many waves I create. You don't understand the trouble that I stir up. No, I understand it. I've got plenty of trouble in my own family going on right now. But when it comes down to the end of the day, we've got two choices. Either we're going to reflect the kingdom of God or we're going to reflect the kingdom of this world. Our kids have two choices. You know how our kids are going to learn which choice to choose? They're going to learn from us as parents. Your brothers and sisters, your coworkers, your friends, the people you spend time with, they have two choices, and they're going to understand those two choices by the life that you live. Instead of us co-opting and instead of us saying, well, it's someone else's responsibility, maybe we should understand that God says, you have a light. You are a lamp. You are a witness. But then he gives a second example down there in verse 26. So he goes to the second metaphor. 
talks about believers as being a witness in this new kingdom of God, but then he also talks about our devotion. Notice in verse 26, pick it up there with me. He says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the, fur, the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at the once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. It's another grain term, but what is he talking about? He's talking about this idea of planting seeds. He says there's an idea and the concept. We don't think about it today. We just go to the store or we just order it on Kroger or however we get it. But there's this idea back in those times that if you wanted to have a crop, if you wanted to have a harvest, if you wanted to have something to eat, when the days got short and the nights got cold, you had to grow it. You had to produce it. So what you would do is you would get out there and you would sow the seed. And the planters, all the planters knew that not every seed would produce. So they always knew that they needed to plant more seed than they were expecting to harvest. So he would get out there, as the story goes, he gets out there and he plants the seed, scatters the seed on the ground. That's verse 26. But then verse 27, he sleeps and he rises night and day. And with just his due diligence and just his devotion and just his attentiveness, what happens? The seed sprout and grows. He doesn't know how. He doesn't, can't explain exactly the science behind it. He can't ex exactly explain the chemistry behind it. But he knows that when he plants the seed and when he is faithful to guard the seed, water the seed, till the seed, take care of the seed, he knows that growth comes with time. And then eventually, if he does his part, and the seed does its part, and the ground does its part, eventually a harvest is to come. Brothers and sisters, church, I want us to remember this morning that when it comes to our service for the Lord, we are serving the Lord. We are not serving ourselves. We're not serving a church. We're not serving a denomination. We're not serving our own ideas or our own opinions or our own preferences. We are serving the Lord. He says this is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that people, people content with pursuing after, devoted to God. They are coming in and they understand that they're serving the Lord. So they understand the seeds that they're planting are not physical seeds of prosperity. They're not physical seeds of money. They're not physical seeds of success in the workplace. They're not physical seeds of academics. They're not physical seeds of athletics. You are planting spiritual seeds. Now, does every seed bring fruit? No. But even in the agrarian example, Jesus understood that you don't get a harvest without seed. You won't get fruit without the effort and the input. You don't get the fruit without the beginning. He understood that we, we as people, we are serving. Now he says there in verse 27, he sleeps and he rises night and day. He does not know how. Sometimes you and I start to think, well, we're going to explain this. We're going to come to this and we're going to be able to dissect it. And we're going to be able to explain moment by moment, minute by minute. But the reality is when you and I are serving the Lord's, we are serving the Lord's timing. So the example that he gives us, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's saying, listen, you know, you're just supposed to go see, sow the seed. And this follows along with what he had talked about several weeks ago in, my, in the earlier verses in Mark chapter 4. This idea that you and I are to go around and we're to plant seeds. Seeds of faith. Seeds of truth. Seeds of hope. We're to point people to Jesus and just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to plant the seed. And God, however you're going to take care of it, how you're going to handle it, however you're going to deal with it, that is up to the Lord. 
Sometimes. Maybe not you. Maybe it's just me. Sometimes our stuff saying, well, God, I've invited 10 people to church and nobody showed up, so I'm just going to quit inviting people to church. Or I invited somebody to church and they came and they came for two weeks and they didn't come back. And you and I start evaluating our devotion to the Lord based upon the response of people. And if we do that, then we're going to be more driven by the opinion of people than the pleasure of God. We will go to a restaurant. We'll sit down at this restaurant. and When you walk in with six children, you automatically get the looks and you get the eyes. Automatically. You got a van and Denise Swafford sitting over there and we walk in and they're like, no, not next to us. We did not come to this restaurant to sit next to your... No. So we'll come in and we'll sit down at the restaurant. And one of the things I will do is I will look at the menu and I will look at this five-year-old and this two-year-old and I will look at them and I look at the menu and I will say, okay, you got two choices. And these are your two choices. Now, is that the only thing that is on the menu? No. But I do know that if I sat there with a two-year-old and I said, son, what would you like to have? And he'd say, well, daddy, what are my options? And I go through all 50 items on the menu? That's insanity. And that's just straight up silliness. So why do we do that in the church? Why do we take the seeds of the word of God and then we let the opinion and the fallenness and the fickleness of man determine our faithfulness to the Lord? He says there's this idea of devotion. You are the planter. You are the crop distributor. You are the person that has the seed and you go and you plant the seed. Why are you letting the response? Why are you letting the fickleness? Why are you worried about how people respond? You get up and you plant the seed because you're not planting the seed for the sake of the ground. You're not planting the seed for the sake of the plant. You're not planting the seed for the sake of people's opinions. You're planting the seed for the harvest and you're not going to give a harvest unless you plant the seed. And some of us are stingy with our seeds. And some of us walk around and go, well, I don't have time to plant seed. And some of us go around and go, well, it's not my responsibility to plant seed. And some of us go around and we make all kinds of excuses. And I'm just asking you, if not now, when are you going to plant the seed? There are people that you have influence with. There are people that you have a voice to. There are circles that you run in that I or other people do not run in. And you are in those circles so that you can plant seed. If not now, when? Some of you may know the name Charles Spurgeon. Maybe I've told this story before. Charles Spurgeon, 100, year old, 100 years before us, a pastor, back in the 1800s, had over 7,000 people showing up in a church service with zero noise amplification, zero air conditioning, and zero padded seats. And the man would preach for over an hour. And as he is just reaching thousands and thousands of people, he tells the story about his 
conversion. And the way that he was converted, the way that he was saved, was he got up one evening and was going to head to church. And there in, in, in London, there was a, a really fierce snowstorm. And so he was going to go to this church down the way. But then because of the snowstorm, he said, no, I'll go to this church over here. So he turned down this road and he walked into this church and he said there was just a few people that showed up because of the snowstorm and because of the weather. They weren't expecting a big crowd. And so he walked in there and he said the normal preacher wasn't there because of the weather and so was there's just literally there's just lowly old deacon i knew someone had to say something so he shuffled up to the platform and he opened up to the prophecy isaiah and in the prophecy isaiah it talked about look unto me talking about god saying to the people of israel i am your hope i am your help i am your salvation and charles spurgeon said the only thing that he remembers is that deacon just kept emphasizing look to god now is the time look to god now is the time look to god and charles spurgeon said from the preaching of the deacon that had not planned was not expecting was not even prepared didn't even want to be in there because of the storm and all that things he said he understood that now was the time to look to god he got saved that evening he turned his life around and the rest is history. Why? Because he understood the time is now. Now we get stuck in this idea going, well, I don't have time right now, Spence. That's the problem. You have time and you're not using it for kingdom work. Well, Spence, not this season, next season. Well, if you weren't going to be faithful last season, what makes you think you're going to be faithful next season? Well, Spence, you don't understand. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I understand that we are all in different stages of life. And I all understand that we all have different seeds to plant. And we all have different fields to plant in. But brothers and sisters, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a professing believer, you have a role. You have a part to play in the kingdom. And what will Satan do? Don't worry about your witness. Don't worry about your devotion. But then there's a third example he gives them. <clears throat> They're in verse 30. So he talks about the lamp, talks about the seed. Then he talks about the mustard seed. And I want you to think about it with him this morning that not only is he talking about our witness and our devotion, but he's also talking about our attitude. He says in verse 30, and he goes on, and Jesus says it. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? So he's saying, how would you try to relate to this? How, how can I explain this to you? Or what parable shall we use for it? He's bringing a new concept that they were not familiar with. He says in verse 31, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He says, now, when we think about this idea of the kingdom of God, you need to think about how it is that you're going to view it, how you're going to look at it. Now, he talks about this mustard seed. I was trying to think to myself, well, how do I compare the size of a mustard seed? So I was trying to find some overhead graphics that I could put up here to show you compared to a corn seed versus a mustard seed. And I got off on a rabbit trail and I couldn't really find it. I could find it in, mill in, in millimeters. But that doesn't really help us. So the idea was that he is saying this mustard seed, if you think about all the other seeds that they had in that culture, the mustard seed was the smallest. So you would look at the seed and you would see the small little diminutive side of the seed and you would think, hey, 
small seed, small plant. Small seed, small fruit. Small seed, small opportunity. Little seed, little chance. Little seed, little hope. And he says, but you don't understand this little small seed. It's not a matter of the size of the seed. It's the way that the seed is used. And it's the purpose of the seed. And it's the opportunity of the seed. See, so many times you and I, we assume that we know. We assume that we know the intentions of a person's heart. We assume that we know what God can do with this ministry. We assume that we know what God will do. We assume that we know what God can do. We assume that we know what God will do weeks and months and years from now. We assume that we know that this little old church in Wellston, Oklahoma can't have a global impact. We think we know that, hey, this little church is just a little small country church. We can't do much with a kingdom of God. We think that we know that God won't do this and God won't do that and God can't handle this and God can't take care of that. We have no idea. And he says, how many times does your attitude limit the glory of God? He says, it's like the kingdom of God, it's like a grain of mustard seed. No one can predict. Nobody knows. And yet, it says in verse 32, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants that puts out large branches of the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. He's saying, do you not understand what God can do with the most, in, the most insignificant, the smallest things? It's a matter of God. It's not original with Jimmy Weathers, but you'll hear Jimmy Weathers use the term, if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. And what he's trying to say is, is that because Christ has risen, what miracle is now out of bounds? What, what spiritual work is now out of bounds? What is there that God can't use this faith family to accomplish in this community if God so chooses and God so wills? What is there when it comes to spiritual light and spiritual help and spiritual hope that we can't do? He says, do you not understand that everything is on the table when it comes to the kingdom of God? If God can do that with a small mustard seed, what can he do with us? But we'll say things like, that's not possible. Well, that's not doable. There's no way we can do that. That's a pipe dream. And if it isn't possible, why? Why is that not possible? Why could we not reach this entire community with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a year? Why could we not see that every person from kindergarten to 12th grade has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ at least once before school is out? Why can't we Use the Christmas parade or use community events to promote the kingdom of God. Why can't we be a light so bright in this community that when people think about the kingdom of God, it's because we have been faithful to God to point them to God? What, what, is, what is preventing us us. 
us. And I don't care if you got to get the hand blade going like that because you can't do the fingers back at you, whatever you got to do. The biggest hindrance for the truthfulness of gospel of Jesus Christ reaching this community is my lethargy, my apathy, my excuses. And instead of you going, oh, finally he's admitting to it. No, I'm just going to be the first one to start because every single one of us has things to work on when it comes to being a brighter light, a faithful planter of the seed, thinking about the attitude that we have towards the kingdom. So then how does all of this come? How does all of this impact then this coming year, this coming year in the life of the church. I started off last Sunday talking about, again, like we did from 2023, to build families, teach the Bible, be the church. So how does this idea of the kingdom, the kingdom work, being a part, a purpose of the kingdom, how does this then feed into the core values of the church? I'll put there in your notes, families reflect environment. Why is it Paramount. Why is it important? Why do we need to consider your part, your purpose, my part, my purpose? Why do we need to consider our part and our purpose in the kingdom of God? Why do we need to think about it as a church? Because we understand that families reflect environment. Families reflect the environment in which they're in. We have been placed in the environment. So we have an opportunity to be an influence. We have an opportunity to be a light. We have an opportunity to impact the environment around us. And we have a lot of families that are not getting the best environmental picture. And not just that, but we also remember that priorities produce practices. We will pursue what we value and we prioritize what we worship. So when we think about this idea of thinking about my part, my role, your part, your role, our purpose in the kingdom of God, do we understand that this has an impact? It has an impact for families, and it has an impact for our practices. And whatever we prioritize, the things that matter to us, that is what's going to drive the practices and the methodology. That is what is going to drive what we do based upon what we matter, what matters to us. And and it is not by accident that when you come to your weekly calendar, you will be double booked. And you don't have to make a decision. It's sometimes very telling how many people are sick on Sunday and they're healthy enough to go work on Monday. And it's very telling how so many times you will say to somebody, hey, I miss seeing you at church. And they'll say, yes, preacher. Well, I had, and they'll rattle off 10 other things that they were at instead of, and it's not my place to say, well, that's less important or more important. I'm just going to tell you that so many times church becomes the last thing. And church becomes what we do. We don't have anything else better to do. Same way with our Bible. The Bible becomes the last thing we do. If we have nothing else better to do, then we read our Bible. Priorities produce practices. And then this last one, and I'm done, we need to understand that we are living our legacy. He says here in the text, Jesus is saying, this is a kingdom work. This is a kingdom practice. This is a kingdom endeavor. Do you understand that what we are doing today is going to have an impact tomorrow? And what we are doing today is 
forming the history of tomorrow. What we're doing today is we are living out our legacy. So you think about when people talk about today and they talk about, oh, the good old days, oh, the good old days, and they want to look back and they want to look behind them and that all they want to think about is in the past. And I'm telling you, we are living the past right now. We just haven't gotten to the future. So when we think about this idea of the kingdom, when we think about our role and our purpose in the kingdom, I wonder how many of us are sitting here going, you know what, I want to pursue the things of God that 10 years from now, people will look back and say, the only way that happened was because of God. Why not pursue the things today that when we look back, we will say it is because of our witness, it is because of our devotion, it is because of our attitude. We did the things for the kingdom so that the kingdom had an impact on the community, so the community was living for the glory of God. Why not say today we will be a light, we will be faithful, devoted planters of the seed, we will be the people that will not limit the ability of God because of our experience or because of our preferences. But we will see that what we get to do is be a part of God showing his glory in himself to this community. If not you, who? If not now, when? If it's not possible, why? What's holding us back? What's keeping us from being faithful to the Lord? Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for joining us today at FBC Wellston. We would love to hear from you or connect with you if you will visit our website at fbcwellston.org. Please let us know if we can serve you in any way, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future.